Okay, so for everyone that wants to know if you should do the Barbenheimer experience, at least in one day, I do not think so. This is a three-hour Oppenheimer movie mixed with a two-hour uh, Barbie movie, hour 54, whatever. And they are polar opposites of the spectrum, even though I would recommend both of these movies for different reasons. I do think they are not supposed to serve the same audience. So I wouldn't necessarily say that you would run out to go do that experience. However, if you're thinking about one or the other, I would definitely recommend either or. Now you probably are already like, if you're watching this and you already know which one you wanna watch. Um, and heck, it could be both. Now, um, <clears throat> was saying that the Barbenheimer of it all. First of all, Barbie blew the socks off of the box office over the weekend. The Barbie movie opens to a record setting hundred in 55 million dollars and oppenheimer shatters expectations with 80 million dollar debut which that's got to be one of the highest openings for a three-hour rated r movie and you know i'm not gonna ignore the sound of freedom back uh, back there with like a 20 million dollar third i think number third um which is uh it is notable. The uh, the thing we got to cover about this, the Barbenheimer of it all. We'll just keep saying it, and maybe it'll <laughs> it'll actually mean something. Um, I personally believe it is impossible to replicate. It is by sheer sequence of having the star driven vehicles. It's the the directors, as we said earlier. Um, I think that they both have reasonable budgets. So that's that's the thing is we've had ginormous movies of Fast X. We've had the uh, uh, Fast X. We've had Dial of Destiny, uh, Indiana Jones. We've had The Flash. We've had multiple franchises that are in their second third fourth fifth entries of these franchises and they're spending a bajillion dollars and expecting to get at least a billion back and they kind of have to thinking they're all my uh uh J james cameron they're not james cameron with reason if you've watched any of those movies none of them are even you know they're all fine movies. That's the thing is they're not really bad movies, but you can't have a fine movie on a $300 million budget. Now, if we're working with the Oppenheimer movie sitting at a very reasonable $100 million budget, I don't know how you get all of these actors in here for $100 million. Now, couple things about Oppenheimer before we kind of get into it you know should you see it should you not see it well if you're Christopher Nolan head uh, I'd say that I generally am I respect his uh, directorial uh, merit his decisions and and I like his movies that are extremely entertaining if not inspiring and sometimes transcendent now with saying that I don't think that this is one of his best movies. I think there is an hour and a half of a basically perfect movie here, but this is a three hour drama thriller and it's Chris Nolan, Christopher Nolan. I call him Chris like he's my boy, Chris Nolan, you know, my boy, Chris. This movie like I said, in my opinion, going into the review, we're going to start with the Oppenheimer spoiler free review and then go into a spoiler review, which is, I mean, it's based on historical facts. So it's kind of, you know, uh, you know, are we spoiling history? You know, that type of thing. 
the thing is, I didn't know history that well when I was going into it. So it was kind of like a, a spoiler for me. And I'm doing the Oppenheimer Barbie review in this order because I think that's the way you should watch the movies if you go see this uh, in theaters. It's both. Well, let's let's continue with uh, Oppenheimer before anything. Like I said, there's an hour and a half of what I believe a perfect movie here. Christopher Nolan is at his most personal here. It's based off a book of the American Prometheus. Oppenheimer is a 2023 bio biographical thriller film written and directed by Christopher Nolan based on the 2005 biography American Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin. The film chronicles the life of J. Robert Oppenheimer, an American theoretical physicist who was pivotal in developing the first nuclear weapons as part of the Manhattan Project, and thereby using in the atomic age, sorry, thereby ushering in the atomic age. Cillian Murphy stars as Oppenheimer with Emily Blunt as Oppenheimer's wife, Catherine Kitty Oppenheimer, Matt Damon as General Leslie Groves, director of the Manhattan Project, Robert Downey Jr. as uh, Louis Strauss, a senior member of the uh, U.S. Atomic Energy Commission. The ensemble supporting cast includes Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Cassie, Cassie, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, and Kenneth Branagh. The project was announced in September 2021 after Universal Pictures won a bidding war for Nolan's screenplay. Murphy signed on to portray Oppenheimer in October with others in the main cast joining between November 2021 and April 2022. Pre-production was underway by January 2022 with film taking the filming taking place from February to May. Oppenheimer was filmed in a combination of IMAX 65 millimeter and 65 millimeter large format film including for the first time in history sections in IMAX black and white film photography. As with his previous works, Nolan used extensive practical effects and minimal computer generated imagery. It was a lot was announced about all this. <clears throat> for the first thing I, I, I want to cover is apparently multiple screenings that were uh, screening this in 70 millimeter which were i think uh, maybe 15 different locations in the us a lot of them had problems there were pro projectionists either didn't know how to run the thing the projection was overheating i don't know too much about behind the scenes but i heard so many different stories of they were people were watching the film and then it would just stop i would be livid so i i would i haven't really had that many bad experiences in the movies mostly it's people talking or something like that but if it came to the projection i would be like what in the heck is going on and so um apparently with the way that christopher nolan intended the majority of america to see this they they did not see it correctly um and those that attempted to got kind of screwed for it so i could see uh, a, a kind of a backlash in that in something i was talking about with like avatar 2 you know it's like you really only get one or two chances to see a movie in theater in 3d in the biggest format or whatever or on imax once or twice in your life like it is an experience to go to these things and see that thing because I mean, how else are you going to go back and do it unless you own a movie theater or something like that, you know? So I do kind of 
savor the experience of a good theatrical experience. <clears throat> Excuse me. I actually heard the only computer generated image, give or take one, like one or two scenes, like a lot of this is done practical. Before getting into anything spoilery, there's, you know, um, there's some nudity in here and it was covered up with like, kind of terrible computer generated imagery, but uh, or CGI, I guess, but it was, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny if you go look it up. I'll talk about it maybe a little bit when it comes up. It's not exactly necessary, but whatever. I digress again. Um, let's see what else. Oppenheimer premiered at Le Grand Rex in Paris on July 11th, 2023, and was theatrically released in the United States and the United Kingdom in 2021. Sorry, July 21, 2023. I got to say that despite this having, you know, the IMAX, the big cinematic flares, the Christopher Nolan of it all, this movie is very much a courtroom hearing for three hours dispersed Christopher Nolan style, so non-chronologically. They have a very interesting way of showing the color palette from the black and white being, I believe that's modern day, and then the, the color is, uh, you know, the flashbacks. And so without going into, you know, too many more spoilers, editing is by Jennifer Lame. I don't think that is the same, his same editor. Oh, she was, she was on Tenet. And she also worked on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Manchester by the Sea, and Hereditary. Hmm. Noah Baumbach. I think a lot of people were talking about how this felt like a Noah Baumbach film. And I, I kind of agree with the way that it's way more, I'd say way more cerebral than I was expecting. The way that Christopher Nolan has presented himself is kind of like an experience of an artist, an experience of a director. When you go see his movies, it's an experience. At least that's how I felt. This was way more of an experience, but in someone's head. It, I felt like the majority of the time we are either in the head or right up in the temple of, uh, of Murphy. And, you know, he has these you know, cheekbones that uh, David Ehrlich said look 3D coming through the damn IMAX and these bold and expressive eyes. I think the the camera is maybe lingering on Murphy for over an hour of his face and not exactly just talking. Sometimes it's just like, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, nothing wrong with that. Handsome guy, uh, you know, lo uh, lonesome eyes, very oh forlorn i guess i don't know exactly the right word at the moment but um i uh i found it very personable and, and probably one of christopher nolan's personable most personable um pieces of work since uh let me see maybe memento maybe the prestige i watched the prestige recently and i think i got to do a um review on it it is a phenomenal movie with an incredible Hugh Jackman performance. I mean, I, I, I don't think I see him on that level all the time. So if you're Chris Nolan head, you know, all of his movies, I, I think the only one I have not seen was following. So that was, I believe his first one. Second one was, I believe Memento as an independent film. Then he has uh, I think Insomnia, then he does Batman 1, or Batman Begins, Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, he does Inception, he does Interstellar, he does Dunkirk, he does Tenet, did I, did I name all of those? Did I get all those right? And um, yeah, I think 
what a lot of people would say about Christopher Nolan's work more recently, I'd say within the last 10 years, I'd say post interstellar like dunkirk and and um tenant they extremely extremely um well tenant was convoluted i i tried to go back and watch tenant and it's impeccably shot beautiful cinematography the problem with it is half the time people have masks on you can't hear what they're saying and if you if you don't have captions which who watches captions in the movie theater unless you absolutely have to which honestly i wouldn't mind having because i watch captions on netflix all the time so kind of going back and forth i'm like what are they saying um yeah if you don't have captions on tenant it's like People are speaking in riddles. People are speaking in rhymes. What it feels like no one's making, uh, in what sense people are making, they're like, yeah, the, the bullet's moving backwards. Why? I don't know what they're being sent to us because I don't know what. I, it's like, and no one's really questioning anything. John David Washington is just like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. He, he kind of comes off as like, the secondary guy but there is no his name is the protagonist but he doesn't feel like he's the protagonist he feels like he's like the supporting character of another guy and maybe robert pattinson was supposed to be the guy or, or it felt like they were supporting characters for the the inception movie or something like that they were severely underwritten the plot was so convoluted i think a lot of people had problems with christopher nolan's tenet like I said, I find his movies experiences. So you gotta have to let him wash over you, probably watch one or two or three times. I definitely have to watch Oppenheimer again to kind of get that feeling again. I think I have more problems with the Oppenheimer movie due to the pacing of it than any other movie before he, that he's had. I think Dark Knight Rises had a little bit of an extensive pacing problem toward the end. It didn't really, some things didn't add up, some things did. It wasn't exactly a super satisfying ending for a lot of people. I think I was some of those people. But I kind of felt that here. And sometimes Nolan has his, what feels like the climax of his movie happen at the beginning. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I kind of feel like this doesn't happen at the beginning, but I got to say the middle is kind of where the climax is and there was a good wrapping up point or there was a good like time to start like all right bring all the subplots together let's bring everything together and instead. I look I. I tried my darndest not to look at my watch. I was like, I'm having a, um, this is a great movie. I'm understanding it. It's certainly more of a courtroom boardroom drama than I was expecting, but I, I, I like that. And it's impeccably shot, incredibly acted, everything above, you know? <clears throat> but the climax happens and then we find out some major reveals. Like I said, still non-spoiler and I'm like, okay. And I look at my watch and we figure they figure some things out. I'm like, all right, this is a great point to start wrapping things up. I'm like, this has got to, we got to be like two hours and 30 in. We got to be two hours, 30 in. I was like, we still have an hour and 15 minutes. I looked at my watch. We got there at 1230. And I think it was like 245 when I looked at my watch. I was like, oh my God. And I was like, it feels like too much of a good thing, you know, when we, sometimes I, I equate films to meals or something like that, you know, when you have a, an amazing meal, an amazing, I don't know, uh, I don't, a lot of people are vegans now, but sometimes got to go with the steak and a nice juicy steak, or if you're a vegan, a nice salad or whatever that you don't normally get to have but you're kind of like cutting into it and it tastes so good and tastes so good you're like oh my god this is amazing and then you realize you still have half a steak left or you still have half the thing left and everyone else 
is like finishing up their meal and stuff like that. I don't know why that why I'm doing this like comparison of like eating like that. But anyways, um, uh, it, what I'm saying is too much of something can be a not so great thing and kind of revert back on the meal itself or or on the experience itself. And I definitely feel like this movie is bloated. And so if you look at it as a movie, I think it's a bloated movie. If you think of it as a three hour mini series of three hours each, I'll take that. You know, let me the thing about Tenet was I think it was released on HBO Max at the same time as it was released during theater and it was all like crazy pandemic times. I honestly wished this movie had been released on Max so that I could watch it in the luxury of my own home. I um I definitely looked at my watch and I was like, holy shit, we've gotten the climax, what I think is the climax, and then we've gotten some major reveals about two hours in-ish, and we still have a lot of time left. And I was like, whew, this is, this is going to be a long one. On top of the 30 minutes of trailers, let's not forget, we always, I don't think studios are factoring in 30 minutes of trailers 20 minutes to get to the theater you know it 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 was a half day event just to do oppenheimer i i don't i very seldomly believe in a three-hour movie i think avatar 2 was like maybe the last movie in the last like five years i believe actually needs that three-hour runtime but i was just like this is this is excessive. It feels like I know that Nolan was pissed off at the way that Tenet was released because of that same day release, same, you know, theater and whatever kind of dim, diminished the box office a little bit or something like that. Um, and they, they kind of ran with those movies. So he ran over to from Warner Brothers to Universal Studios. And by doing that, I think he got carte blanche. He got a blank check, basically, for um, this movie. And he got to do what he wanted. And he said, I want a three-hour movie. I want to release it for this many days. I hear that it was released July 11th. And I just read an article the other day that said that it's not going to be on digital or anything for uh, till October. And so that is kind of, you know, I think that's all Nolan's doing. So um, continuing on, its simultaneous release with Barbie led to the Barbenheimer phenomenon on social media, which encouraged audiences to see both films as a double feature. Like I said earlier, I would not watch this all in the same day. That's a lot. And I don't even think the majority of people that are watching Barbie would even, I think they would enjoy a four, uh, an hour and a half uh Oppenheimer, but I don't think that they would enjoy the majority of the Barbie audience would enjoy a three hour movie um, leading into Barbie. <laughs> I, I got I got to know if there was some uh, non critics that were like, what the heck is going on? Because um, at the beginning of Oppenheimer, I heard some I I didn't look to see how old the girls were, but they were clearly like it sounded like Barbie girl or Barbie audience that were talking back there during the majority of the trailers. I was like, Oh Jesus, are they going to talk through the entire Oppenheimer? And then when I got at the end of the movie, they didn't talk through any of the movie, thank goodness. But I, I turned around a little bit and they were like, they look like that uh, <laughs> commercial where that says don't do drugs and they're like stuck in their seats. <laughs> they're like, like melted into the seats. I think they might have been asleep, but <laughs> I would not be surprised if that's what happened. Because uh, I consider myself a fan of, you know, basically the Oppenheimer and Barbie, you know, in front and behind the screen. And I would not put myself through that. So I couldn't imagine somebody that was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to definitely do that. And they fucking, I'm, I guarantee you they regretted it. Because that would be like a seven-hour trip to the movie theater. My Lord. Um, you know, give or take travel time and everything. I don't know. Anything. Anyway, people did double features. I heard it was around 200,000 
tickets that were sold for the double features. I'm not sure what that includes or if that was just AMC's numbers. Um, the film has grossed over $209 million worldwide, that is um, Oppenheimer, and received critical acclaim with particular praise for the cast, screenplay, and visuals. The cast is amazing. And we have our boy Hoyt Van Hoytema, who's um, come back from working with, uh, what was he doing? He was with Jordan Peele last. I, I, I love this guy. He's the cinematographer for uh, Nope. He worked with Nolan on Tenet. He worked on Ad Astra. Didn't love the movie, but loved the uh, visuals. He did uh, the camera work for Nolan's Dunkirk in 2017. He did Spectre from Sam Mendes. He he did the camera work for, he did the cinematography for Interstellar for Nolan. He was uh, with Spike Jones on her. Um, and then really started off with, um, uh, let me see, The Fighter. The fighter was what really got him on the on the check sheet uh, with David O. Russell, and then from there, I think it was when Spike Jones worked with him in 2013 really got him, and then Interstellar, obviously. Yeah, love my boy Hoyt. Um, anything else we want to discuss before we get into spoilers? 180 minutes is ridiculous, in my opinion. I love everything about this, uh, except the runtime, I think. I actually heard that uh, this is going to get a Chinese release, uh, Chinese, uh, a China release, a release in China, which will be interesting. I'm not really sure if this is going to do well in China, though, considering the, the thing, you know. But, <clears throat> Let me discuss about this movie just a little bit before we get into spoilers. Would I recommend it? Would I not recommend it? Like I said, three hours is a long fucking time in the movie theater. I don't care how much you like a movie. It's a long time. Um, you know, add another 30 minutes for the trailers and Jesus, you got a quarter of your, yeah, a quarter of your day taken up by a movie. So if you're a Nolan stan, obviously go check out Nolan's at he's doing some of his most personal work, but don't be expecting a massive spectacle. I think that the trailers, I only watched one or two trailers recently of the Oppenheimer movie, and I didn't watch any going in. So I tried to do uh, as little, um, tried to go in as blind as possible. And I still felt like I was expecting way more of a, a spectacle. I think it's mostly because of his previous work, but this is way more of a personal uh, slow burn of, uh, of a movie. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but don't go in expecting massive explosions with camera work going all which way and, and him, you know, flying and back cam and having Heath Ledger, you know, I, I don't think we have a Heath Ledger uh, performance here, but I do think um, Murphy, if not the rest of the cast is, uh, is going to receive many, many awards. This is probably going to get sound sound best editing on sound music Lud ludwig gorson love the guy mandalorian guy um but yeah anyways <clears throat> way more of a courtroom drama way more of a personalized biopic you're staring at murphy's face for a good hour <laughs> um and uh that's not necessarily a bad thing it's cinema at its best i think it's going to be catnip for a large subsection of movie reviewers, you know, critical and non-critical. And um, I'm of the opinion that it's a solid hour too long. If it was a miniseries, I think it'd probably be perfect. But since you have me in the theater for what feels like almost a third of my day, or a quarter of my day, 
<clears throat> can't do it. The dude does not abide. Um, on top of the emotional tale that's told here with Oppenheimer, what the movie really feels like is it's grasping from him needing to create something, but also if he doesn't create it, someone else will and possibly, you know, uh, use it against him. And so the repercussions, I believe, of what he's made are not explored enough in this movie. And maybe that's not what this movie is about. It's more about the guilt um, that this guy's had. And, you know, how bad do you feel guilty for a guy that's created something of this magnitude? Or he, he feels like he's lit the fuse to something that he can't stop. And once the fuse is lit, it's taken, it is in some sort of way taken away from him, but also to an extent that, you know, did you have to do that? Did you have to create that? And uh, for some reason, the light coming in the window is making my, <laughs> making me look all ominous. I'm like, did you need to do that? <laughs> So just kind of ignore that light right there. I don't feel like fixing it at the moment. So um, yeah, I'm not sure if we're a hundred percent. I'm we're we're with him the you know the entire time, but like the the repercussions of what actually happened, I'm not sure are explored in this. And I think that would probably be my biggest criticism to this um, as it goes. So um given um i'm getting this information from uh, the wikipedia you know take with a grain of salt could be possibly wrong so you know do your own research this is all for entertainment and this is all for uh recapping the movie there's a quick note right here that the film's events take place in a non-linear timeline as nolan does uh alternating between oppenheimer's story from cambridge to los alamos his security hearing in 1954 and Strauss's confirmation in 1959. <clears throat> For the purposes of this article, the story is summarized in chronological order. So, um, yeah, we're not going to talk about it in the same way that the movie is shown. It's it's definitely spliced in back and forth, all Nolan style. You know how he does. It's all crazy with it. Um, does it need to be in the order that Nolan shows it? I think it kind of makes it more of like a, a thriller. But was saying that the majority of the movie does feel like it kind of flows in one direction, one mostly chronological direction. Occasionally, <clears throat> Robert Downey will come in and start talking or something like that. Let me see anything else that we needed to cover. $100 million budget. All right, we are going to discuss this movie in full spoilers. Um, if you have not seen the movie, if you don't want to know anything about it, you know, head on out now. Um, like I said, look at our podcast.com for all of the links in the description. Um, thumbs up, subscribe, follow, you know what to do to help support the podcast. Sharing the podcast uh, helps a lot too. Let me get a little bit more coffee and um, we'll begin the spoiler review for Oppenheimer. and we back trying to keep it light because this is a very um heavy subject to discuss 
I know that a lot of podcasts were, were trying to be a lot more um, toned down with it. And I totally understand that. So um, we'll try not to be too giddy on this podcast because it is a very, it, it's, it's a heavy subject. It's a sore subject. And so we want to be respectful to it as well. Which means I can't be doing so many um, voices and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. All right, this is the spoiler review point side, whatever for Oppenheimer twenty twenty three. In 1926, 22-year-old J. Robert Oppenheimer grapples with homesickness and anxiety while studying under Patrick Blackett at the Kendavish Laboratory in Cambridge. Oppenheimer finds Blackett demanding and leaves him a poisoned apple, which visiting scientist Niles Bohr almost eats accidentally. So he almost killed somebody with a poisoned apple. That was pretty wild at the beginning. I was like, oh, here comes the apple. Um, what's it? I think Nolan always has things in his movies, like little tokens, like apples or fruit and uh, trains. I'm trying to think of other things. Oppenheimer completes his PhD in physics at the University of Göttingen. Sorry, I, I know I said that right. Uh, sorry, right, wrong. Um, Göttingen in Germany, where he meets Werner Heisenberg. He returns to the United States, hoping to expand quantum physics research, and begins there. Begins teaching at University of California, Berkeley and the California Institute of Technology. Now, this is all spliced in with uh, Robert Downey uh, coming in and um, who does he fucking play? He plays Strauss, Louis Strauss. And you don't know exactly his motivations, but he definitely wants to propel the, uh, the fission timeline. Fusion timeline? Is it fusion timeline? Fusion timeline. I'm not a scientist or an engineer or doctor, so I don't know what's going on. So I might just be making up some some shit on, on the quantum side. So take all that as a grain of salt. But he wants to speed up the program. Anyways, the um, the other things that we're seeing from the visual standpoint are uh, Einstein is there. There's something spoken to. Um, in, uh, there's something spoken to Oppenheimer at that uh, at the pond. We uh, don't know exactly what what's said because it's from the perspective of Strauss, and uh, he, instantly Einstein is soured on um, Sal uh, on Strauss, and so. Uh, we're also seeing visuals of. <clears throat> looks like exploding atoms and stars and stuff like that and very abstract visuals at the beginning of the movie. I like the visuals. I like the abstractness. It kind of reminds me a lot of Interstellar. I know that a lot, of, he said that most of this movie's not done and see with CG, CGI at all. And I believe that because it kind of looked like they're using scale models a little bit in some of those explosions and in those at, at the beginning um not the major not the major one but um it definitely looked like some interesting camera work going on there with uh, Hoyt during this time he encounters Gene Tadlock a member of the Communist Party USA with whom he has an intermittent intermittent romantic relationship until her eventual suicide it's shown from multiple perspectives of uh, Jean, who's played by um, Florence Pugh, who's just impeccable. She's she can grab a screen and like own it 
in like one one or two scenes she's just like there and present and you instantly believe that he's there you know they're smitten and she's just amazing i don't think that she's had a bad role i I love her in uh the black widow i love her in midsummer um and she's only in a handful of scenes here and i do think the women in this movie are a little bit under uh underserved um definitely doesn't uh pass the back tail test but um the the scenes that they do have are harrowing they're they're amazing i i you know there's a crazy sex scene that is shown from emily blunt's perspective of uh her feeling like that you know oppenheimer's life is just exploited out for this entire boardroom which is um not exactly wrong. I mean, they have to go through almost every single minute detail of this guy to, you know, really find out, you know, is he communist? Is he, is he uh, doing dirty things? And, um, you know, they, they have to go through his, um, you know, his quote unquote dirty laundry, which happens to be some of his uh, more promiscuous sides. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, Gene love, well, <clears throat> it's it's kind of permitted that Jean loved him so much that she killed herself. I'm not sure if it was that's why though. <clears throat> so uh, they have a romantic relationship until her eventual suicide. And later, his future wife, Catherine Boonig, so Booning, a biologist and ex-communist. U.S. Army General Leslie Groves recruits Oppenheimer to lead the Manhattan Project to develop an atomic bomb. Leslie Groves, played by, believe this is Matt Damon. Let me um, replace something real quick. U.S. Army General Leslie Groves recruits Oppenheimer to lead the Manhattan Project and develop an atomic bomb. <clears throat> After Oppenheimer assures Groves that he has no communist sympathies, Oppenheimer, who is Jewish, I had no idea that there was, was such a quote-unquote Jew, Jewish-led um operation or there are so many Jewish quantum physicists and all this. I, I was raised Jewish, so I'm not speaking ill. I'm just saying, saying that. Who is uh, Jewish is particularly driven by the Nazis, possibly having a nuclear weapons program underway. Now, I don't think that there was enough. It was all speculation, and I don't believe that there was any actual evidence that this was happening. So that was the reasoning, which I had, this was new information to me. Um, underway, headed by Heisenberg, the guy that he had met earlier. Oppenheimer assembles a scientific team that <clears throat> includes Edward Teller, Isidore Isaac, uh, Rabbi, and David L. Hill in Los Alamos, New Mexico, to secretly create the bomb with the intention that it would save the world despite its potential global repercussions, which I think the biggest thing is the grappling of the situation of what he was creating. I don't, it felt so much like he was like, oh, I just I just built the bullet. I'm not the one that pulled the trigger, that kind of thing. And you know, the, the Truman of it all later kind of feels like that, but dude you made something that was that could potentially do that type of damage and i'm not sure at all in the first half half of the movie that he even talks about what's going to happen i mean he we see the testing of it and we know how bad it's going to be and 
the reasoning behind it. He's like, yeah, the not we don't want the Nazis to have it, but that doesn't mean to go use it on someone else or to go use it on, you know, on Japan. And so for that all to happen, it just seems like a slippery slope for you to say, well, this guy didn't really mean it for that to happen on them. He meant to happen on them. Whoopsie, you know, like a classic mix up. No, man, dude, do you know what you just made? Like, okay, um, I, I, I think I'm, I'm finding my problem with this movie is that there was not enough evidence, in my opinion, shown to say that this was worth being built. This was worth the level of, of we had to go this far, you know? Because by this time it was all created and everything, the war was essentially over, but then they had all this, they had another problem and it was like, oh, we got Japan. I was like, oh, son of a, you know? Um, so I think that's my biggest problem is that there was not enough evidence for him to have done that. But, you know, obviously just saying the word Nazi is like, oh, well, you can't live with that, you know? So... And I will say the writing in this is very good. Um, you know, I, I think one of the lines, I'm going to kind of butcher it, but it's like he's, I think Oppenheimer is like, I don't know whether I should or should not build the bomb, but I know that it's better than having them do it. And so they're having the Nazis have it. And that's, you know, I completely agree. So I'm running a little bit late on time. I just realized that I'm going to have to come back for the Barbie review. Um, we'll finish up right here. Uh, headed by the Oppenheimer uh, assembles the team. Crazy good team. Crazy list of actors from Josh Peck to Rami Malek to Hartnett to uh, with the Hartnett Assance. Uh, him and Black Mirror. It's just amazing. So, um, yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, despite... Uh, create the secretly create the bomb in new mexico with an intention to save the world despite its potential global repercussions during the development oppenheimer and albert einstein develop sorry discuss how an atomic bomb could trigger a chain reaction that could destroy the world it's like whoops it's like damn it dude <laughs> um oppenheimer learns that and uh i have uh listened to some documentaries um read some things about Einstein, how his leading into science and understanding of, you know, gravity, quantum physics, all this stuff had led him to the atom bomb. But by going to the bomb, by it going in the science leading into weapons, it deterred him from wanting to learn more about science, which is kind of crazy. It's like, damn, y'all really did Einstein like that? So you can see why he's so dismissive of <clears throat> the majority of the United States um, government officials. And this big division, this movie does talk about the division of scientists and, and you know, state. So, um, <clears throat> damn, I didn't realize what time it was. When Germany, Germany, when Germany surrenders in World War II, some dis, uh, some project scientists, sorry, some project scientists doubt the bomb's continued continued importance. The bomb is completed and the Trinity test is successfully conducted just before the Potsdam con, con, uh, conference. It is, I've said this before, beautifully horrifying what happens, um, just from. The visuals that were shown from, you know, the the non CGI parts of it, it looks like an actual really fucking real explosion to every the the leading up to it to everyone's reaction to, you know, people being excited that this is, you know, this the test is successful. There's so many different parts about this movie that, um, you know, really go into it and like I said, I need to watch this several more times to kind of really fold it in, but I gave this like a seven out of 10. I think I forgot to mention that earlier, but um, most of it goes to, you know, the visuals of what we're being shown. It's, it's we're taken there to a place and I feel like we're there and I feel like I was blown away. And that is the quote unquote money shot, the big shot that's being shown in the theaters and whatnot. And so um, that's really the big, the big force right there. Um, <clears throat> let me see. 
So that's the Trinity test. The bomb is completed and the Trinity test is successfully conducted just before the Potsdam conference and the sound. Oh my gosh, you see it before you feel it. And then you hear it. It's just like so many, I, I can't even describe it. It's a, that's the, that's the Nolan experience. U S president Harry S Truman decides to drop atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki one to show what could happen. The second one to show what will happen or something like that. Or, you know, I, it, it's it's fucking terrible the the way that um, this all goes down and the way that, you know, it's, it's there's some U.S. officials there. They're saying, oh, we can't bomb this place because my wife and I honeymoon there and it's fucking beautiful. It's it's kind of sickening the the way that it's all um, <clears throat> re- reduced. It's like they just don't give a shit. And so forcing Japan to d- surrender and thrusting Oppenheimer into the public eye as the father of the atomic bomb. I talked to my grandfather about this and I was like, where were you during the World War II and all of this happening? And they had said that we, you know, we need to pull our, our forces back and whatnot. My grandfather said that he was in France when he had heard about the, the bomb going off and they had still told his regiment or uh, you know his battalion or I, I forgot what, what exactly the group is called, but they had told him that they were gonna be headed to Japan uh, up until that had happened. And, he, you know, he said that he had not really been aware of Oppenheimer as a, as a person for, you know, that entire time. Uh, my grandfather's a hundred years old. So he literally, uh, literally remembers it. He said he was early twenties, I believe. So he's, uh, thrusted into the public eye as the father of the atomic bomb on time, you know, on, on the paper, on magazines, all this stuff, haunted by the immense destruction and suffering the bombs caused, Oppenheimer personally urges Truman to use restraint in developing even more powerful weapons. Truman perceives Oppenheimer's distress as weakness and insists that as president, he alone bears responsibility for the bomb's use. Oppenheimer continues to feel the guilt. And uh uh, Gary Oldman as Truman is, you know, he's a fucking bull. He is, uh, he's, I didn't realize I, that Truman was kind of this bold, I guess. I don't know too much about my, this president um, as much, but he basically tells him to get, you know, he's like, get this crybaby out my office. Apparently there was a story of like uh, Oppenheimer just feeling guilty and, in the president's office and he's like hands him a fake handkerchief apparently this is a real story I, like i said I, I take this with a grain of salt i don't have the facts all the 100 percent in front of me with the sources but i've heard this is based off of real shit <clears throat> so uh and my goodness murphy looks very similar to oppenheimer he's got the high cheekbones and everything um i guess that oppenheimer had those blue eyes as well it's interesting they had the blue eyes and he was just Jewish, but well, you know, whatever, huh? you can be whatever. Do your thing, I guess. Um, sorry, I'm trying to rush this a little bit more, unfortunately, because I'm running late on time. Truman perceives Oppenheimer's distress as weakness, yeah, and says, get out, get the hell out of my office. Oppenheimer advocates against further nuclear development, uh, especially the hydrogen bomb which I think one of the Safdie brothers is in this, and he's the one that is really pushing for the hydrogen bomb to happen. And in the way that they're showing how the, the I think it was hydrogen or plutonium or something that they were putting in that bowl to represent how much they had had. That was very, um, it felt like a time bomb, you know? Positioning him against Teller, his stance becomes a point of contention amid um, amid the tense cold war with the soviet union uh, louis strauss chairman of the u.s atomic energy commission resents oppenheimer public for publicly dis- dismissing strauss strauss's concerns regarding the export of radioisotopes and per strauss's belief bad mouthing him to einstein so this is where the contention came in from oppenheimer and strauss and so this is where Strauss is like, all right, well, that's fucking in. I'm because everything's going to have to go down at a hearing intended to remove Oppenheimer from political influence. 
Oppenheimer is betrayed by Teller and others associate other associates testimony while Strauss exploits Oppenheimer's associations with current and former communists such as Tadlock his uh, uh, Florence Pugh and Oppenheimer's brother Oppenheimer's brother Frank despite uh, testimony from Rabi and several other allies, Oppenheimer's security clearance is revoked, damaging his public image and neutralizing his policy influence. So Robert Downey Jr.'s character throughout this entire thing has this like, uh, uh, he has this small closed hearing going on and he has all of these people coming in of you know Oppenheimer's past and he has um Emily Blunt's character at the beginning and then we get surprised that she comes back at the end and it's like why was that even like a surprise we saw her there at the beginning so I'm not really sure what that was all about um but there was a lot of like testimony from all these and they're all huge name actors we got anything from uh, I think we got the safety he comes in he says yeah I don't trust the guy and then we come in and um we have uh What's his face? Uh, Matt Damon's Leslie Groves comes in. He's like, yeah, I wouldn't pass him either. I was like, damn you. All y'all, all y'all turning your backs on me after this. It's like, dang, everyone turned his back. Um, and then uh, Hartnett showed up, but didn't say anything, I think. A lot of different, uh, you know, as, uh, what is he? Ernest Lawrence showed up, but he didn't say anything. Frank, uh, you know, all these people were communists that were surrounded by him, but they, uh, he got really screwed. Um, talking about, you know, Florence Pugh and his brother, stuff like that. Um, let me see. Later at the Senate confirmation hearing on Strauss's confirmation as Secretary of Commerce, Strauss's personal motives in engineering Oppenheimer in personal motives in engineering Oppenheimer's downfall are exposed by Hill and Strauss's confirmation fails. So Oppenheimer's downfall are exposed by Hill and uh, Strauss's confirmation fails. And so that is Rami Malek, who is basically being pushed around the entire movie up until this very end where he has to go full on Mr. Robot and he has to go in with the Senate hearings like shim, let me do the whole thing. And um, he's like, um, basically, he's regurgitating the entire movie, the twist on the twist uh the nolan twist classic nolan twist of what actually is happening in the reveal of the reveal and so it causes robert downey jr's strauss character historical character to get exposed and the confirmation fails in 1963 president london b johnson pres uh, presents oppenheimer with the enrico Fem for me award as a gesture of political rehabilitation. It is revealed that Oppenheimer's earlier conversation with Einstein was not about Strauss, but rather uh, the far reaching implications of nuclear weapons. Oppenheimer wonders whether the Trinity test to a large extent his, cre his creation launched a chain reaction of events that could lead to a nuclear holocaust and that my friends is the christopher nolan movie oppenheimer 2023 let me know what you thought about the review let me know how i can improve obviously we are kind of rushed at the end of this i had uh prior commitments that i have to attend to but if you have uh, you know, any comments, anything, any corrections, if you uh, have a review, did you do the Barbenheimer? What uh, two movies do you think would go together uh, similar to like Barbie and Oppenheimer? I'd say the two movies that I can remember actually seeing in theaters that I did the Barbenheimer experience, I saw back to back that I did that to, was Avatar and Jumper. And that was about as far as two could go, I guess. But what movies did you see together that were like the Barbenheimer experience? Um, like I said, I would give this a seven out of 10, uh, an amazing experience to see in the theaters. It is way more of a slow burn bio biographical um, look at Oppenheimer. And we, we have, um, you know, the, the cerebral parts in it are, you know, are great, but they are very, 
they they draw it out and it does feel like a long three hour movie so that's kind of my um critical take on oppenheimer 2023 i'll be back on later to review the barbie movie and we'll finish up any oppenheimer stuff we have in there as well just because they kind of kind of go hand in hand with this big weekend so all right everyone you know what to do take it easy And kind of before we finish up, I honestly was supposed to mention this at the end. My my biggest critical thing about this movie, the Oppenheimer, is that I don't think we're reckoned enough with what has happened to Japan. And given the lack of diversity from the representation of the Japanese people in this movie, um, it just feels like we're, you know, kind of stuck in the head. But anyways, I, I could be here all day. I, 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 you know. All right. Um, I got to go. I know what to do. Take it easy.